Hello and welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. I have delayed just about as long as I can doing this episode. It's either one of the better ones in my attempt to make a different kind of fantasy content, or one of the worst. As always, I have no idea, but let me know what you think. You can hit me up on Twitter at PA Howdy, or on Patreon at PA Howdy, or anywhere else people can be contacted at PA Howdy. Um, in this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about different hype narratives and stories and information and activity online around players in a rookie drafts, um, which to pay attention to and why. Uh, ultimately, the Too Long Didn't Read version is there are some names at the end that have recently added to the rookie database that I think you should be aware of and consider in your rookie drafts, if they are still going on or the waiver wire if not. Um, and the rest is just me trying to justify the 30 minutes. I guess you could see it that way. But I I, I, th I actually had fun writing it. Let me know what you think. Thanks very much. Let's get to it. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. In 2015, the NFL series Hard Knocks visited the Houston Texans. In the first episode's fresh, new, fancy Bill Belichick coaching tree, Bill O'Brien quizzes the team, especially the new hires and the rookies, on the team itself. Who is the CEO of this company? Cal McNair? Who is his father? Did someone say Bob McNair? But who is Bob McNair? The owner of the team? We're off to a good start. It was an exciting season between J.J. Watt's life philosophy and the team's first round pick, cornerback Kevin Johnson, inviting us into his life to meet his family, rookie haircuts and no hats day, and plainly not charismatic middle-aged men trying to act charismatic in front of a camera, and a crowd of young trendsetters who can't call them out on the fact they're not charismatic because they write the paychecks. A undrafted free agent cornerback, as opposed to the first-round pick, Kevin Johnson, stole the show with his crazy socks and energetic chicken-based catchphrases. We also saw Vince Wilfork wearing cowboy boots and denim overalls and no shirt to practice one day, which was fun because he was actually charismatic. There was also a guest appearance by Odo Beckham playing Madden. That was actually the year that he was on the cover of Madden, so that was fun. And Dynasty Degenerates, on the other hand, may have been quietly watching the third-round pick, Jalen Strong, who had a somewhat interesting, promising rookie profile, but it was fizzling out quick, especially on hard knocks, with bad hands and poor offensive acumen. It ended on an exciting final preseason game climax, where the undersized UDFA cornerback finished strong, but was ultimately disappointing or disappointingly cut. The story didn't end there, of course, any more than it started there. To be honest, Charlie James, who was that undrafted free agent cornerback I was talking about, played for the Texans in 2015 despite being cut. He played nine games, he recorded 20 tackles, had 17 of them were solo tackles, all in the midst of O'Brien's forgettable 8-8 eight eight season, prompting many, perhaps even myself, to wonder about the hand-wringing and chest-puffing Bill O'Brien did throughout the entire show, deciding young players' futures with his team as if he had a golden ticket to a chocolate factory, when in reality it was more visitors' pass to a box-cutting factory. Anyway, before going on to trade his wide receiver, star wide receiver, for almost nothing and inevitably fall into coaching ignominy, Again, we saw Hopkins express his love of fashion, his mindset for trying to deal with the stress of his life, the same way we saw the undrafted free agent James struggle to keep motivation as the team consistently fretted, 
shall we say, over his size and whether he could actually be as good as he was at football considering how big he was. Because he's great in practice, but he's also small while he does it. James tried positive thinking to keep going and not a few talismans of good luck, hence the socks. After ending 2015 on IR with a foot injury, he played for two games in 2016 on Indianapolis and also on Houston again, but his Wikipedia page now describes him as a former NFL player. In 2016, Hard Knocks visited the newly relocated Los Angeles Rams. The number one overall pick, Jared Goff, was outed as someone who wasn't exactly sure which direction the sun rises. Jeff Fisher, the definition of a 4-9 coaching season, told everyone not to touch their star running back, Todd Gurley, and we all wish the NFL had felt the same way. And another undrafted free agent, wide receiver Paul McRoberts, had a heartbreaking moment when he realized his stepbrother had died in a shooting. McRoberts played two games that year with one target, one reception, and six yards recorded, and that's his season and career total, at least so far. We see the attempts to make a community in both shows as McRoberts seeks comfort in the camaraderie of his teammates, and Bill O'Brien talks about creating a culture as if that's how you create a culture. You also get eyes on Hall of Fame, Mike Sing- Hall of Famer Mike Singletary being as formidable a coach as he was a player, especially in the minds of the players now working under him, which was really fun to watch, to be honest. Ted Lasso, it ain't, but we get some idea of what it's like to be sworn at while watching tape. We get some sense of the humor and nerves and tension surrounding an NFL preseason for rookies and veterans alike. In all sorts of situations, we see talented young men try to live out a dream, and tired old men who secretly think they are, or were, or still are, more talented, try to justify their decisions on who will and won't get to. As much of a joke as the idea of actionable information for fantasy may be from a show like this, it's interesting, in my opinion. As a fan, I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. I like seeing how everything can seem so right, and the story can go so well, but the end of the movie is, unlike a movie, not perfect. A careful eye and ear can catch the tones of nepotism, not to mention the experiences of the fragility of success at the very highest level of a brutally punishing sport. Narratives make sense, and they are, for fans, perilously intoxicating. The series reminds me of undrafted free agent breakout of all time, the undrafted free agent breakout of all time, the inspiration behind a football-themed novel by no less than Christopher Harris, formerly of ESPN and now the curator of his own fantasy site and brand, Harris Football. The undersized running back recorded his first NFL stat in 2009 despite entering the NFL in 2008. Having been signed by the New York Jets to an undrafted free agent contract before the draft had even ended, or just before it ended, depending on which site you read. Having left the field to an injury early on in 2008, he missed his entire first year. That's not great as an undrafted free agent with no promise from any team, let alone the team he was currently trying to play for, and very few opportunities for more chances. In this year-long gap, I imagine one long grinding episode of Hard Knocks as he kicks a meager opportunity for all it's worth, with positive thinking and maybe some crazy socks. Before finally carrying the ball 16 times for 64 rushing yards in 2009 as his first season. Measuring in at 5'9 and 200 pounds, the Cheridan graduate had set NCAA records in the rushing game in college, but his best year in the NFL by year three was 547 outing with New England after moving from the New York Jets, that initial team that he signed with. But significantly, he did manage to post a top 25 PPR season that year, 
for fantasy. As his receiving role had also grown with 44 targets, 34 receptions, and 379 yards. This would be the pattern moving forward. While he finished outside the top 55 in PPR the following year, he did get 77 rushing attempts and 351 rushing yards added to 31 targets and 157 rushing yards. But from there, it escalated. From there, he finished top 12 every year he played more than eight games. That was only twice out of five seasons, but still, points per game matter. If you ever wondered how some held on to Naheem Hines until the right moment, or why, or how, Austin Eckler was for some a high-value target after f- the first round of the 2017 rookie draft, Danny Woodhead is the answer. Is also why, for my money, undrafted free agent running backs hold such a high premium for those in Dynasty. Although Arian Foster was my personal running back one, not even Austin Eckler, who broke out in the top 12 by the time Danny Woodhead had only just cracked the top 25 in his own career, measures up. Because the delay, the story, the wait is partly, if not wholly, what keeps us searching and interested. If you're wondering why any of this is relevant in 2023, then I'd ask you to respect the fact that talking undrafted free agents in fantasy is always relevant, no matter what the topic or who the company. Yes, I'm not very popular at parties or even family gatherings. But it also may be because someone somewhere, possibly wearing a Bullrush t-shirt, is thinking something along the lines of, but those players are all very different because they watch the tape. Someone else, somewhere else, probably, possibly wearing glasses, and the fresh scent of the words, well, actually, vaguely hovering in the air around them inexplicably, not so much as if they've been said recently, so much as they are said so often around here that the phrase feels like leaving would be just a waste of good time, since it's likely to be called back at any moment, is thinking, but those players didn't have the same statistical indicators, and they broke out in different years. Because when you neither have very skilled eyes or very are very smart with numbers, what you tend to rely on, or what I tend to defer to, isn't so much a precise method or meaning behind the madness of the process of finding similar patterns. It's not based on the motion of a player's hip swivels on third downs or the thresholds of certain counting stats. It's a fairly broad yet effectively minimizing series of patterns that are arguably unrelated in real life indicators that help me be in the right place more often than I should be considering I am an idiot who talks about phrases as if they have sense. In short, I'm a historian and one who has always had a heart a lot of trouble memorizing both names and dates, and can only keep an active record of events without significant error over the space of a couple of hours in his own life. Seriously, I had to Google those Hard Knocks episodes because they kept confusing which player I'd seen in which season, and frankly, if I make the mistake of saying Jordan Addison plays on the Chargers one more time, I may lose my Dynasty Degenerates card on the internet because he was mocked there and I have a hard time updating the metaphorical notepad I use to keep track of that kind of information for immediate recall. The notepad is also, if it helps, likely the back of a grocery receipt and more than definitely has a coffee stain on it. The inside of my head is not a neat place, nor well organized, so I have long developed these coping mechanisms to make it seem like I have a functioning mind. For example, while I can point to the rising and rushing trends and record of Austin Eckler in his time in college, the fact remains it was his overall market share that may have made him stand out to me, but then when I went to Google him, I found out an interesting article about the size of his calf muscles and the impressions it had left on whichever reporter has studiously driven to whatever off-brand trading program had been given 
to make to give NFL coaches an opportunity to have a more in-depth look at deeper, non-typical CFB prospects that had decided to invite Austin Eckler to work out. I can tell you it was his numbers, but the fact his numbers led me to interesting articles with an unrelated and unimportant memory aid like his calf muscles pushed him into a hype bubble. He'd been impressive enough to be invited to stand out to the reporter enough to that he felt the need to develop well-written striking color for the piece, sure. But I kept him in mind largely because his calf muscles stuck in my mind. Woodhead had long ago taught me to watch for receivers and running back, and conditional formatting made it easy to show how good, quote-unquote, he was in a screenshot. This is a reason I, quote-unquote, knew to draft him or at least target him in rookie draft. My point is, and as far as I have one, is that narratives are mostly fictional, but the hype is real. The smoke around a player means something, and hopefully it's not fire. Activity on the social media bubble of interest and awareness combined with significant production in the receiving game or team-relevant volume for wide receivers or yards-after-catch metrics from PFF at tight end is, in fact, signal. No two players are two other players. Players are not horses, and to be honest, even pedigree analysis applied to equine studies seems flawed to me, given our relative lack of understanding in genetics, at least to the certainty level necessary for the relatively mundane and pedestrian activity of placing a $5 trifecta on a 50 to 1 shot at Churchill Downs. Anyway, sometimes it can be hard to recognize the difference between smoke, noise, signal, and narrative. If it helps, narratives tend to make sense, and they should be ignored. They say things like, this player has worked hard, and the team isn't going to give him that much money as an undrafted free agent if they don't plan to use him. Or, blocking helps get players on the field. They make sense. They have intuitive common sense behind them. A beginning, a middle, and an end, like a story requires. Or, hype has is a small fact that while it often isn't clearly comparable directly to each other, it does actually work sometimes. It does actively have the benefit of identifying interesting prospects that have become interesting, eventually in fantasy at a higher rate. And I don't tell good stories or make much sense at all, I just play fantasy football. So narratives have no value for me, whereas hype, or what I think of as hype, does. Hype in certain bubbles. So to really bring this one full circle, hopefully to the idea of a hard knocks episode in your head, and how even the most positive preseason can ultimately wither into nothing, there are a few examples of players getting familiar hype with some interesting statistical indicators behind them, even if they don't have direct on-field or in-sheet comparisons to the likes of Woodhead or Foster or Kittle or Thielen. In short, it matters this year that there is growing interest in Stetson Bailey, the fourth-round NFL pick by the Los Angeles Rams at quarterback, in a superflex drafts at least. It is also worth noting that there is sudden quiet interest in Brenton Strange, which is also an awesome name, the Jacksonville second-round tight end pick. His yards after catch numbers and the efficiency metrics of Stetson Bailey could be used to line up behind them, or could easily be made to look good with some conditional formatting in a screenshot. But think third round, maybe even fourth round. Not the second, if you can help it. I've added both of these players and some other rookies that have only emerged into significance since the NFL draft to our college database, pinned to my timeline, pinned to my Patreon timeline as well. And as soon as the DLF ADP updates so they can be actually added to ranks, I have adjusted the current rookie big board on my rookie rank sheet, both of which can be found on Patreon if anyone's interested in that sort of thing. Costs a whole dollar 
or whatever you are. In short, this episode is not about the rather interesting story of Anthony Richardson and Josh Downs, one of my highest targeted players in rookie drafts this year, relative to his ADP, or his DLF ranks at least, playing catch in a parking lot before they were both drafted to the same NFL team, Indianapolis, but it's noted. Instead, it's got a lot more to do with the fact that right now only a few very active dynasty players are saying something a lot of others are going to be saying by the time the season starts, and we should try to be ahead of that wave when possible, but with the slow-moving patience of the turtle versus a hare, because Danny Woodhead didn't even show up to year three, after all, and we still have time. I'd like to thank you very much for checking out this episode. Let me know what you think of it. And I will see you again next week with a new guest appearance from someone. i got to figure that out still. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. You got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road. Go, clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical